So uh, we're joined tonight with Dave Porter, who is the composer of the music that you hear on our favorite television show, Breaking Bad. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you very much, Aaron. It's great to be here. Um, I wanted to start off, and I try to do these interviews the same way, with you telling us just a bit about yourself, how you got your start in the music business and in the entertainment business. Sure. Yeah, I uh, grew up in a a musical family, although um, no one else in my family is a professional musician. I grew up uh, playing a lot of instruments when I was young, started piano, classical piano when I was very, very young, uh, five. Wow. And uh, was one of those kids that uh, I grew up in Maryland, uh, outside of D.C., and uh, was one of those kids that trooped up and down the East Coast playing in piano recitals and doing competitions and stuff like that. And uh, I think my parents never imagined it would be a career. They just uh, thought it was something I was I was good at and enjoyed. And uh, but then I started getting into writing my own music. I guess in high school, um, dabbling in computers and synthesizers and technology. Uh, and uh, then uh, went to Sarah Lawrence College, which is outside of New York City, mm-hmm. it's a small liberal arts school, where uh, I was able to really get into creating music for um, a lot of different mediums, not just film, but uh, modern dance and theater. And uh, and I've always loved the impact that music can have and the synergy it has working with other kinds of art. Uh, and I think that's when I just sort of had a feeling that uh, maybe there was a way I could make a living doing this and uh, pursued it from there moved into New York City after college and uh, started my career working in Philip Glass's studio, uh, which is in downtown Manhattan. Uh, if you're not familiar with Philip, he's a, a very well-known classical American composer um, who's known for doing very minimalist stuff and doing a lot of work for uh, film and other medium. Uh, it was a great place for me to kind of get my feet wet and get started. You said he's, uh, he's then, got. You said yep. that the, you said it's Philip. Um, he's had a minimalist style. Would that you yep. say that, that would be kind of an influence on on your style? Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, I think I was already influenced by those guys before I went to work for Philip. But um, but he, he, you know, there's like Steve Reich and uh, and and the the guys in New York, especially who were doing um, interesting stuff that kind of blended that world between what I call academic music right? Uh, at this point, classical music and, and, and music for popular mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, they had, these guys were doing really doing a very rare thing, which was bridging that gap between the two. Um, and so I think that those styles definitely rubbed off on me. Uh, and then I kind of took a more commercial turn and uh, worked for some other composers who were doing primarily uh, advertising work in New York and television, like daytime television stuff, documentaries and sports and the news, which is kind of a, a lot of what the work is in New York. That's mm-hmm. kind of a lot of things that get produced in New York. Um, and had a company there with a few other composers for a few years, uh, but always kind of had my eye on wanting to eventually get to doing more dramatic things, uh, which led me ultimately to move to L.A., uh, and uh, thinking that my very impressive credits in New York would take me far <laughs> once I got off the bus, but uh, lo and behold, no, no one cared. <laughs> so uh, like everybody else, I started at, at zero pretty much and, and started a whole new career uh, in my 30s. And uh, making a very long story short, ultimately um, took a, a bit of a step back and became a music editor for mm-hmm. a little while and filled in for a friend of mine who was the full-time music editor on Six Feet Under, oh. the HBO program. Sure. And, uh, and through, through that world, I met a lot of the people um, that went, who knew that I was actually a composer, but it was, was filling in as a music supervisor, or music editor, excuse me, and was relatively new to town. Uh, and they ended up liking my work. I had a good relationship with them, and they ended up hiring me in future things as a composer, and that's how uh, the career got going as a composer in L.A. Great. Um, so 
I've been looking for this podcast for or this interview for a while because we've been trying to set it up over the last couple of weeks. And then I was listening yeah. to this week's Breaking Bad Insider podcast where <laughs> Vince Gilligan effectively shredded a lot of my interview questions and notes because he actually. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. He kind of like <laughs> mid podcast went on this like exclusive interview with you, which was really cool. Um, and he asked a lot of questions that I, um, if you, I tell my listeners, if you like. Uh, what Dave's has to say, and you're more interested in follow-up, uh, you could do a lot worse than listening to the uh, Breaking Bad Insider podcast for episode 506, Buyout. Uh, again, right there about the, ha- about the halfway mark, uh, uh, Vince really kicks in and asks him a lot of questions, and I'm going to build on some of that stuff. Um, sure. One thing I uh, kind of... By the way, put- I should point out that about halfway through, Bessie Brand left. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, she's, she's impossible she's impossible to ignore believe me right 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 so that's that that's that's when they it's finally got the day i am <laughs> far more interesting than i am i don't know but, about that uh, yes no it was wonderful to uh, have a chance to uh to talk with us like that um one thing to pick my ears up or perk my ears up rather is that you yep. mentioned about you know during the off season some of the things you do like you know recording sounds and instruments and Mm -hmm. and you alluded to that you know you get help outside where you can't play uh Mm -hmm. what instruments do you actually play uh well as i mentioned i'm a a very good keyboard player i mean that's sort of my basis and that runs from uh everything from piano uh although i don't use piano in breaking bad but and to synthesizers which i've been very into since i was a teenager and organs and all kinds of electromechanical keyboards which i play on Breaking Bad, um, but then I have a whole host of other things that I picked up sort of later in life. Uh, I lived in Japan for a year so I have a, and studied music there, so I have a, a collection of Japanese instruments and uh, a lot of random percussion stuff that I keep around. Uh, I play a wee bit of guitar, but I'm, I'm uh, quite a poor player, honestly, mm-hmm. so I usually lean on other folks. For uh, for the more serious guitar stuff, um, and yeah, that's you know, and of course, Breaking Bad is a lot of found sounds, just right. a lot of random things that I record, honestly, around the house right. or or around the studio. Uh, that later, I mean, I wouldn't call that playing something exactly, but that's sure. creating sounds that uh, that become part of my palette for Breaking Bad, right. Um, we had a couple of listeners that are really into the technical aspects of what you do, and they are curious about mm-hmm. what kind of, since we're talking about instruments, what kind of systems mm-hmm. and synths do you use? Uh, I am, uh, my, 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 the base of my world is Pro Tools, which uh-huh. is a very standard program that's used in studios around the world. Uh, and that's where I write uh, and edit and mix everything that I do. And then all the other external things that I use sort of ultimately get recorded into Pro Tools and, and become part of part of that. Um, but I have a, a very large collection of uh, vintage synthesizers that I've been uh, collecting or hoarding, as my wife might say. <laughs> but that was about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I have a propensity to collect them and, and, a, and a very poor record in getting rid of them. Yeah. So <laughs> the collection just keeps growing. But uh, I do use those an awful lot on Breaking Bad. And uh, without you know getting too boring for those listeners that are not uh, into the technical side of stuff, um, I uh, have things that range from a ARP 2600, which is uh, from the very early 70s, uh, on through uh, a lot of analog polysynths, digital polysynths, um, lots of fun stuff, uh, including some very, very new things, too. I like to use um, software synthesizers sometimes, and I definitely use uh, a program called Contact, which is a uh, professional sampling software that's uh, based within the Mac that, that I use and within Pro Tools. Right. I'm always amazed that uh, in the realm of audio, how long the longevity is for some of this stuff. Like you mentioned using synthesizers from the seventies and it seems like, you know, Mm -hmm. instruments is that stuff. Unlike almost every other aspect of modern society, uh, they have staying power and even hardcore preferences amongst uh, professionals. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I mean, I, I'm fortunate in a sense 
in that Breaking Bad was a great vehicle to use these kinds of sounds. Um, I think there, there's plenty of boring work that I do where vintage synthesizers, for example, are not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a very distinctive sound about them and a very specific thing that they do. But as you point out, specifically for that reason, um, they, uh, they stand the test of time in the right circumstance. Uh, and that's why one of the reasons I love them, particularly the old ones, because they have a very distinct character mm-hmm. um, that uh, it's just they're, they're, they are like their own unique instruments that do their their own thing. And if you spend enough time with them, um, can can produce some really really wonderfully emotive stuff. Right. Um, you mentioned on the podcast with Vince um, and and Kelly Dixon, uh, one of the editors. Mm-hmm. There's a natural affinity between film editors and composers. Um, I, one listener wrote in a question, and I'm a computer programmer, so I'm kind of curious about this too. Uh, she observed that there's an affinity between computer programmers and uh, musically inclined people. Is that something you noticed? And if you didn't get into com- music, do you think you possibly would have become done something in computers or technology? Interesting. I have not heard this before, um, but... Uh, it makes sense to me, certainly. And to be fair, uh, my job can be a lot of computer programming, right. for better or for worse these days. Um, and I spend my whole day staring at a computer screen much more than I sit there writing notes on a staff on a piece of paper. Right. Um, that's the reality of where the technology is now and the time constraints um, that we are particularly under as film and television composers. Um, I'm not sure that I'm personally math inclined enough right. to have been a, in a particularly good computer programmer, although certainly I, uh, I was always fascinated by computers and always uh, realized them and loved them for the tools that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to be honest, I mean... <laughs> When when things get hairy in my studio and things don't work well, it's not me that solves them. I have to call somebody. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> With much greater computer expertise than I. I have a confession. Um, but, uh, it's an interesting... It's just an interesting comparison. For sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I have a confession. I'm not good at math either. That's, I think, one of the reasons I got into programming, <laughs> so I could, you know, set the uh, machine to do my bidding so I didn't have to do any math. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one thing that struck me when I was listening, um, and I'm a big fan of the Breaking Bad Insider podcast that Kelly puts on. Um, you know, Vince is in a lot of those, and when he was. Yeah. He's a pretty good interviewer, and it seems like he's got a very good grasp of a broad range of the many elements uh, elements that makes great television or any kind of cinema type of work. Uh, I was yeah. wondering, you know, what's he like to work for? And and you saying that you now live in L.A., he's doing a lot of this production out in New Mexico, correct? So just kind of describe your working relationship and, and what that's like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first of all, you're absolutely right. Uh, Vince has a, has a tremendous grasp of almost every aspect of the process of making a TV show or a film, for that matter. Um, and so he's enormously knowledgeable. And, and to be a great showrunner, uh, which is what he is on, on a television show level, um, you have to, because you, you have to walk into all these different situations and oversee all these people and make decisions about their creative contributions to your creative vision mm-hmm. uh, so you have to be able to talk to all these folks and, and he does a wonderful job at it um, we uh, you know the, one of the great things about Breaking Bad and, and to clarify I know a lot of fans um, complain at times uh, about how long it takes for the show to come around back on the air every season sure. that we work on it one of the reasons for that um, is and one of the ways, frankly, that we keep the quality as high as we do on Breaking Bad um, is that Vince is more or less available to be part of every step of the process. And as you point out, that happens in two different places in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the writers are in are the, the process starts with the writers in the writers' room, which is in California, mm-hmm. uh, and then the, the series gets filmed, and all the production aspects of it occur in Albuquerque on location. And then all the post-production folks, myself included, 
but uh, that includes all the visual effects, the picture editing, all the sound work, all the sound mixing, all the music that gets written. Um, my comrade, Thomas Golovich, who does the music supervising, which is picking up the and licensing of the songs that we use in the show, all that happens uh, back in California once again. And one of the reasons that, that we take a long time to to turn around our show is that Vince tries to be as available and around for as much as that's possible. Um, because uh, the show is his baby. This is his show. It's his creative vision. Uh, and his strong creative vision is, is what makes the show so great. So bottom line, um, he's so, like the, the quality control guy. He makes sure that everything... Yeah, well, yeah, yes. He, he's the germ at the beginning uh-huh. that starts the whole thing. And, and he's the polish at the end that absolutely makes sure um, that uh, everything's up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we're working, he and I, uh, I'm part of the post-production process, and uh, we have what's called a spotting session. Uh, first, I should say I, I, I could read the scripts, but I don't. I Actually, wondered about that. Uh, yeah, I, I could, um, but I, I'm, I'm a very visceral guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I respond very much when I'm writing my music to um, the picture for which the music is intended. Uh, and I love to be able to, first of all, I mean, on a purely uh, selfish level, I love to sit down and watch the show like a fan ah. and not know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, and I can do that because because we're so we're so close to the end of the process that what I see is is nearly the final thing. So other than the uh, music, also, is other, what you other see... Other than the music and some additional sound work and mixing and, and you know, cleaning up dialogue and stuff like that, um, the show is essentially done. So when you first get the film, do you just kind of mm-hmm. sit down and have like a watch as a, oh my God, I can't believe this has happened, I'm, you know, as a, as a pure fan? Absolutely. I grab <laughs> a drink, sit on the couch. <laughs> awesome. And uh, make sure no one else is around and, and, and get to watch it. Um, and I watch it purely for pleasure the first time. Uh, and then I rewind it and, and uh, turn the lights on, pull out a notepad and get serious about taking notes about the episode and, and, and getting my brain around where I think music might be effective uh, in that episode so that the next day, which is when we generally have the spotting meeting uh, with Vince and and a bunch of other folks, I'm prepared to talk about uh, with him about where I think music should be used. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, sometimes I'm firm about it. Sometimes I'm not sure about it and want to ask his opinion. And (laughs) and so, you know, I want to be prepared when I walk in there. And then we have this, this spotting session which is uh, myself, Vince, Thomas Golovich, who, who picks the songs, um, the editor of that particular episode, either Skip or Kelly, um, usually the writer of that episode, assuming it wasn't Vince, uh, and some of our other producers and our music editor. And we sit there and do the same thing. Again, watch the episode from start to finish, except we stop it after every scene uh, and talk about in those scenes, whether music would be useful, whether it wouldn't be useful, and if it would be useful, um, whether it should be score or sort, which is a, a song, a licensed song. Now I've got a kind of an, uh, I got a kind of an evil follow up here because I see where you're going. Uh, and then and then we talk about you know what that music should try to accomplish in, in service of the story. Uh-huh. And then 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 after that, I've got my marching orders for that episode, and I'm home to write. Um, now, as I mentioned, I got a follow up on that. Is there anything sure. when, when you're in that spot? Is the spotting meeting you said or spotter? That was spotting session. Spotting yeah. session. Um, <laughs> do you ever, when you're watching and you're taking notes, you're like, "Oh man, I got a killer idea for the music," and then you get into spotting session and they're wanting to go license? Do you ever get like jealous of the licensed music that it's like, <laughs> "Man, I wanted, I wanted to get all on that scene." <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's been too many situations like that. Um, I will be honest, there have been a few situations where we weren't sure uh, which it should be. Uh, and so we're, we are both sent off to try to tackle it. Ooh. And then, it, and then I wouldn't say it becomes, uh, competitive, <laughs> you know, but, 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 but I would say, you know, it, it is interesting to see, um, you know, which pans out to be more effective mm-hmm. and which Vince ultimately prefers. But to be honest, if by season five, where we are now, um, we've got this down. 
Right. And 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 we and we, we go through these meetings, and, and there's very little, there's very few question marks at this point about um, uh, about what should go where and why. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that unlike score, um, sometimes the source music, the licensed songs, um, have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been part of the process for a while. In some cases, from the script uh. level, sometimes the writers have an idea for a very specific song uh, that will actually appear in the script. So we've known all along that a particular scene was going to contain that song. Sure. In other cases, like the montage sequence that are so effective and so wonderful, um, where Walt's cooking a lot right, of times. Right. Those 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 pieces of music are chosen chosen earlier than the spotting session because um, Kelly or Skip we'll need them to cut the picture to hmm. so that the, those montages fit so nicely against the music. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, now the well, one thing that impressed me, cause I was reading some previous interviews with you to kind of do some research and this process of you getting the episode and sitting with the spotting session, going away and write composing and then getting back to the Vince and having some, you know, f- feedback and kind of finalizing it is just under a week start to finish right yes and you only really have yeah. a couple days of actual like work time that seems Usually so intense four. yeah that, i mean that, that seems like do you have a feeling of like you're against you know you're up against the wall you got the the, the gun metaphorically to your head all the time or is that something that you've kind of relaxed into and kind of almost enjoy the pressure um i wouldn't say i enjoy it but <laughs> i would say that that it, it is it is an expected part of the job uh-huh. uh, and something I'm very accustomed to, um, something that, uh, frankly, sets film and television composers apart from other people who write music. Right. Uh, I mean, you can't part, wait part for of, the muse. Of, <laughs> no, you can't write. That's absolutely right. You can't, you can't uh, wait for things. You can't necessarily try out a million ideas and play them for all your friends and get feedback. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's just isn't time. So you you have to be very efficient uh, about what you're doing, um, and, uh, and it may seem like an oxymoron, but you have to be efficient about being creative. Mm-hmm. You ha- you have to be able to. I think one of the tricks is knowing very quickly when you start going down the wrong path creatively right. Right. on a cue, so that you don't waste a lot of time developing an idea that isn't going to work, mm-hmm. and and spotting those ideas that that aren't quite right early enough on. Uh, save you a lot of time. That's certainly one of the tricks. And another thing that you mentioned early on, and I'm sorry if I didn't answer this, but um, I do, because Breaking Bad, uh, the music for Breaking Bad that I write is so dependent upon the original sounds that I create to write the music with, um, I do a lot of that during the off-season so that I have a, a, a big catalog, if you will, of of ideas and sound, not so much melodies or anything like that, but just sort of the raw sounds and 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 feelings and and and, and synthesizer programs that I might use, um, ready for me to audition, so that I can quickly yay or nay things and 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 hopefully be inspired. Right. Yeah, so you've got all your tools ready to go on the off season, and you spend that time kind of like refilling your 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 toolbox, so to speak. Exactly right. And that does exactly save saves right. time. Wow. Yep. Yep. So I'll spend four days writing. Usually the fifth day, I will send it to Vince, who will watch, um, send back some notes. I'll make some alterations on the fifth day, and then hopefully all goes well. Uh, with that, and then the sixth day, I go back through every cue and, and remix it for the best possible impact and sonic quality, mm-hmm. and then it goes off to be mixed in with everything else, the dialogue and the sound effects and everything else. Do you watch, after everything's all said and done, do you watch the final product? I do. I attend uh, what's called the mix playback, which is happens at the very end of the, the mixing process. Um uh, most of us who are involved in post-production um, head over uh, to a big soundstage where the final show gets mixed all put together, everything. And they play back the whole episode once again uh, from start to finish. And uh, everybody takes notes about 
what they uh, what they heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vince runs the meeting afterwards uh, and gives all his notes and and anybody else's notes that he uh, thinks are appropriate. And mm-hmm. then they fix those, and then it's in the can and out the door. Wow. That is intense. Um, one thing I gathered in that I thought was interesting, and I think you mentioned this in a couple of interviews, but you say you start the process with a metronome, uh, starting that up mm-hmm. and watching each scene going scene by scene. Do you? Yep. How does that inform your process? And are you actually taking notes of the beat scene by scene? And what are you looking? What kind of cues are you looking to sync that 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 timing up with? What I'm usually looking for is is um, is uh, a, a metron, a rhythm or a metronomic tempo that falls nicely with the the way the picture has been edited, the way the picture cuts, so that without changing tempo too many times, for example, over a two minute cue, I can get the strongest beats falling on the biggest moments of impact in the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that does is it lays a groundwork for me um, sort of like a skeleton uh, to build the music on and and allows me to know say when I'm writing for a specific specific purpose oh I've got five measures to get to this moment where uh, Walt tries to uh, kick over the coffee can or the coffee uh, pot Mm-hmm. And it goes flying the other direction, and I know that that's a musical moment that I want to build to, right. and then stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once I once I have all that in place, it's much easier for me to then think musically um, without later having to worry about getting my music to fit all those important moments. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a, for me. I can't speak for other composers because I don't know how anybody else works particularly, but but for me, it's just it makes the process um, once I get going with the writing much more creative. Mm-hmm. Once I get the, the the tempo map, we call it, out of the way, mm-hmm. uh, which can frankly be mind numbing. Right. <laughs> As you can imagine, watching the scene <laughs> fifty times um, at ninety nine BPM or sure. one hundred and two BPM, um, just trying to find the one that really feels like it fits. That's what I was trying to get at because I was just mentally imagining, you know, because I, I, we do, we watch Breaking Bad a lot uh, to get the stuff mm-hmm. out of it for our, you know, kind of a critical analysis. And, mm-hmm. you know, some scenes were like, I, I like to compare it to like the Zapruder film sequence in JFK, where just like, you know, back and to the left, back and try to get little nuances. And when I heard mm-hmm. that you're sitting with a metronome, I'm like, oh my God, this man is wearing out his fast forward and rewind buttons to get the, to get that stuff. Cause it, you know, you're not going to get it right on the first pass. Wow. No, very rarely. Very rarely. <laughs> um, you know, who came, uh, well, I got to, uh, you know, my partner, Jim and I, well, we watch the uh, show together frequently. And a lot of times we'll actually say out loud when the music in particular is kicking our ass. Um, mm. and you, I, I kind of get this thing where, you know, I'll just talk about the 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 last episode buyout where you had that fantastic cold open and it was just your music, and mm-hmm. this, it's very you know the sad kind of mournful. I put in my notes it was like a lunar musical soundscape, and then mm-hmm. the kid's hand was exposed and Walt r- brings out the second barrel that you know we we were done at the dirt bite nats for the child, and yeah. it like kicked into a whole other gear. Where it just went super unhinged and you know very spooky and you know we we both like kind of like my god this again the music is kicking our ass. Uh, how did you, you? How did you? You, you, you talked about um, in, in the the podcast with Vince that that you actually mm-hmm. in that that moment you talked about that moment where the child's hands exposed that you mixed right a very digitally altered version of a, a young boy's, you know, kind of a choir session, I guess, or choir singing. Exactly, yeah. How, mm-hmm. how do you come up with that? Because, um, you know, like you said, that would be on the nose if you just did it, you know. But how do you right. come up with, like, that's a good, great idea, but now I'm going to, you know, stretch it and, and distort it and twist it and make that even serve the emotion of the scene even more. I mean, how, how do you, I mean, I know that's your job, but how do you, how do you make those choices and, and kind of come up with those things? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I wish I could tell you concretely. I mean, part of it is just instinct. Part of it is uh, many, many years of doing it. Uh, and part of it is, uh, is knowing the show, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, that's one of the great benefits of working on a TV show, particularly one that lasts. Mm-hmm. A while is, is you, you just you know the show you know these characters you know the the tenor of of of, of what you're trying to do musically um, and uh, and I I just I guess in this particular instance when we talked about this scene in the spotting session um, the words that were thro- first of all this is what a unique opportunity for me. Uh, to and you don't get this on most TV shows or films. Uh, three or four minutes of just score, no yeah. other dialogue, no other sound. I mean, I believe me, and my eyes were, were as big as the moon. It's like you I get the solo. Excited. You get the solo yeah, at, an or- exactly. at, at a That's performance. Right. <laughs> the spotlight on me, mm-hmm. you know, for better or for worse. And uh, so, yeah, we talked a lot in the spotting session about what we wanted the music to accomplish here, and uh, and. One of the words that the Vince kept throwing around uh, a lot was funereal, mm. and I mean that might seem obvious, but but the, the, it, there's a, obviously a huge connection here between the, the the taking apart of the motorbike and and the implied uh, end for this. Sure. I mean, the show and, uses and, our familiarity with this process to be like, they don't even right. have to show it. It's like, you know what's coming. And it, right. But in the same way that the show doesn't show them pulling this poor boy out of the dirt and throwing him into a barrel, um, the music couldn't do that either. Right. It would be totally inappropriate. So so the, the what the challenge then is to um, make that emotion incredibly powerful and obvious without obviously stating it. Uh, and so the, the idea I had the, the idea of, of this uh, solo voice voice, um, just holding one very, very long note. But I, I knew before I even tried it, that doing that, uh, would be very forced. I mean, it'd be very, very obvious and, and, and you would sit back and, it's just, it's just not how we do it on Breaking Bad creatively. We've right. Been, you know, uh, as, as you said, two on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I also knew that in addition to being sad, this cue also had to have a tinge of, I don't want to say horror, but... I think you can it, say I horror. Mean, you can say horror. That would be appropriate. <laughs> horror. I mean, a horror, not like a horror movie. Yes. Horror in, in how, in, 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 in what these people had done a and what they knew they now had to do right further so it's a sort of the horror of that realization right uh and so i knew i could make it a little and certainly a lot of the score in breaking bad does this makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh and and one of the ways that I, I i knew i could do this was was to take as i do with many sounds take an existing sound that you would recognize normally uh and alter it in a way that uh, maybe you subliminally catch on to what it is, or maybe you don't. But but hopefully it has that power while sounding like something you haven't heard before. I think uh, mission accomplished. That was a fantastic scene, and you've had oh thank you uh, quite a few of them. Um, you know I don't know like uh, I remember like this bell tolling kind of during Walt's uh, head shave with the slow trickle of, bl- of blood going down the back of his head. Um, mm-hmm. You're very good at the unsettling tones, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And that's kind of, I'm a nice guy, I promise. <laughs> uh, that's kind of uh, leads into my next, next question nicely that your style in the show, you know, sometimes seems to straddle that, you know, fence between kind of ambient sound, industrial and, and music. Mm-hmm. Is that an, in, mm-hmm. an intentional choice for this particular show, or is that kind of, you know, the Dave Porter style? Or, or... Uh, Well, no, it was uh, it was definitely an intentional choice for this show. Um, I think when I, when I first saw the pilot um, and was thinking about what kind of music was going to be most impactful for, for Breaking Bad, at that point, of course, knowing very little about where the show was going to go or sure. what it was going to do, I, I just felt like it was so unusual, and Vince's vision was so different um, that to do 
um, something that sounded more traditional just wouldn't it wouldn't extend the emotion uh, of this this crazy world um, and the uniqueness of the show uh, past the visuals and I, and I thought well, this, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to also do that with the music mm-hmm. and to use sounds that aren't necessarily something you would normally hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but believe me, I, I certainly write plenty of uh, music for string quartet too. That's, <laughs> that, that's my job. I just don't do it on this particular show. Um, would you, you know, this is something that's popped in my head cause I was thinking back, you know, you mentioned the first season, it was kind of been my observation that this uh, show's sound has gotten slightly more, maybe more industrial or a little more ambient since midway through season three, when the super lab got introduced and that became a dominant part of the, the environment. Would you say that's fair? Or is that something that I'm kind of just totally uh, uh, way off on? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. Th- I do think it's fair. I mean, I think it's been um, it's been a pretty gradual transformation over all five seasons. Actually, when you go back to look at it and um, putting together the soundtrack record that's that's coming out next week, gave me a, a chance to go back through all these cues that I've written over the years, and and it's just it sort of naturally followed the show in and and Walter White's descent into uh, more and more dangerous and crazy territory. I think that uh, the the music has, first of all, there's been more score in the past few seasons than there was at the beginning. And it's been more demonstrative. Mm -hmm. It's had more to say. It's been, the stakes have risen, obviously, much, much higher. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, and the score has grown in in sort of size and weight. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to to reflect that. Do you score, because we talked about so far the dramatic, heavy aspects, but earlier mm-hmm. on, especially in Breaking Bad, and still from time to time, there's a lot of humor mm-hmm. in the show, too. And I'm not aware of this, so I'm asking this completely blind. Um, do you, is part of your job, do you like punch up any of those beats, or do you strictly kind of keep domain over the more serious aspects of the, the show? Almost never. Yeah. Which is why you haven't noticed. Yeah, okay. Um, I think, you know, we, and, and this varies from TV show to TV show, but my general feeling about writing music for comedy or comedic moments, particularly in a comedic moment in an otherwise dramatic show, mm-hmm. uh, is that um, music can't make it funnier. Right. It, 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 it is what it is, and, and we're so fortunate to have um, incredible writers and actors who pull off the 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 funny or uncomfortably funny mm-hmm. scenes uh, in, in Breaking Bad so perfectly that frankly that they're, my my adding it would be uh, what Vince would call gilding the lily. Yes, <laughs> which is you know you're put, putting up, putting a shine on something that's that's already shiny just doesn't need it, uh, and and in fact ultimately would detract. From 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 the raw humor or dark humor um, that that we love so much on Breaking Bad. That's a good observation. I've not really put my finger on that, but you're right. You can't really make something funnier with music. You can make a gut wrenching scene devastating with the right music, mm-hmm. and you know you can hit a lot of you know, and you can make um, you know not just negative emotion, but stuff that's uplifting, sore. But you can't really make. Uh, you know, Aaron Paul ch- uh, wolfing down uh, string beans any right, funnier right. with, you know, a little light bloop bloop kind of stuff. So, <laughs> No, no. And, and, and you know, obviously the, every show is different, and certainly there are some comedic, I mean, it's certainly a comedic movie you could make where, where music could have an impact. But, but certainly for our show, um, it, it's, 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 it's never seemed appropriate, and we've almost never done it. Mm. Uh, and if we do do it, it usually becomes the domain of a, a song mm. or, or a source music, gotcha. which can add can add a level of irony. Sure, you know, through lyrics or something like that 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 I can't achieve. Before. Sure. Uh, yeah. well, you know, we talked about some of the stuff that you use, like the 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 boys' choral performance. What is uh, this? Is a listener submitted question? What's the strangest musical or non musical instrument you've used in a composition for Breaking Bad? Oh. Um, gosh, I mean, I have, uh, a lot of interesting 
instruments that I've used. I don't necessarily call them strange, but um, I have a, 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 a Japanese koto, K-O-T-O, mm-hmm. which is a, a very like seven foot long stringed instrument with um, moving wooden bridges, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually the sound that plays um, on what I call Heisenberg's theme. Which mm. I don't use too often, mm-hmm. um, but but that has been used in a few moments where he's donned the black hat. Right. Uh, and uh, but other than that, I mean, I've used uh, oh, we see really interesting stuff for the cousins in season three, the assassins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a great friend who's uh, from Mexico City, actually, and a fabulous percussion player, which worked out wonderfully uh, for for those scenes. And uh, we used. Um, uh, among many other things, some very large uh, traditional Mexican drums, but we also used uh, some uh, reproductions of Aztec war whistles, which are these very super shrill, shrieky whistles uh, that uh, they used to use in battle. Wow! Yeah, I think that's where, that's 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 uh, pretty strange. That, that's pretty. That's you don't hear that every day, probably. But, I didn't even uh, know such a thing existed. <laughs> I didn't either. I'll be totally frank. I didn't either. <laughs> You're like, you know what the so scene needs? It needs it needs an Aztec <laughs> war whistle. Find me an Aztec <laughs> war whistle. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, that's really... And I, I may never have a chance to use it again, so I made the most of it uh, when we could, which was fun. Um, no, certainly I use a lot of found sounds. Uh, I've used, um, you know, just a lot of hanging on furniture and stuff in the house. Uh, I have a young son, and he loves to bang on things. <laughs> right. Sometimes he gets he gets recruited, whether he knows it or not, to uh, do percussion, uh, make a, make a racket. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but to be honest, almost all of those things, uh, even when I'm using like my Japanese instruments, for example, um, they all get processed heavily in the computer to become something else. Right. Uh, so so really, they're just uh, they're just raw ideas mm-hmm. that later become the sounds that I, that I ultimately use. Sometimes I even use sounds directly from the production. Oh. So, uh, for example, like in, uh, in, let's see, what was it, episode, the season opener and season four, I used the sound of uh, Gail's box cutter slicing oh. open, uh, which is stolen directly from the teaser, where he's, he's opening up all the boxes in the super lab. Right, right. Um, I've used uh, Tio's bell <laughs> a few times, sometimes very uh, very much in the background, some, sometimes very um, overtly, like uh, uh, when I get a chance, uh, I often bring in a sound that was re- relevant in that episode into the end credits. Ah. I do write a new piece of music every week for the end credits. I didn't want to make uh, sure everyone knew that because I did not until the podcast. Because you know, as Vince mentioned it, uh, what sucks is the that plays in a little tiny box, and over the announcer going on to next week and watch the next, you know, and you don't get any of that. Yeah. So it, I yeah. had this dawning horror of, oh my god, I'm going to have to go through all my DVDs. And now, fa- and then fast forward to the last part and listen to all this. And I'm going to take some rainy afternoon and do that. <laughs> well, I hope you will. It's fun. I, uh, it's it's because talk I yeah really talk a little bit it. talk a little bit about that because I don't think a lot of people are aware that you go to that much effort for that the credit sequence. Yeah, I do. I I'm, I'm not sure I'll ever do it again <laughs> <laughs> because what are, what are we at fifty uh, something episodes right. at this point? Uh, uh-huh. Coming up with a, a new way to do the Breaking Bad theme every every week. Uh, it's it's uh, I'm running out of fingers and toes, but it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I know in all seriousness, I love doing it, and um, it is it's kind of an it's uh, first of all, it's a way to salute for me to salute all the people who work so very very hard on the show mm-hmm. uh and 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 whose names fly by mm-hmm. you know at, at the end but that but must be also, it, that must be a gut it, punch it, it, for the create kind of the creative team the fact that you know uh i like i i don't know i don't know how i know everyone's got to make money but it seems like why show the credits at all if you're going to do it uh where oh. you, yeah you know well, you know, in fairness to AMC, who carries Breaking Bad, every network does this, mm-hmm. and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's not just, just a reality. It, it's a reality of 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 keeping people glued to the seats, and that's sure. their job. You know, sure. they, they have to move very very quickly on to what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And, and believe me, I understood that when I when I when I 
took a, took up this idea of of writing the music for the end credits. For me, it's it's all about uh, the DVDs. Mm-hmm. And and for people who are at home, uh, you know, watching it on, on Blu-ray or whatever, and trying to encapsulate just a little bit of, you know, either oh my god, what did I just see, or some sort of release. Uh, to let you down, mm-hmm. to let you sit back off the edge of the couch for 25 seconds after sure. each episode had ended, uh, and hopefully, you know, for for all those folks who are catching up with the show now and racing through the episodes at a blistering pace, uh, to sit back and digest for at least 30 seconds, right? <laughs> before they charge on to the next episode. Oh, for sure, um, you need that on a lot of these episodes. I think it's important. I, I really do. I really do. And uh, uh, and 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 it's fun for me, obviously. Right. Um, <laughs> there's uh, one another listener question. You talked about Heisenberg's theme. Uh, is there a particular Breaking Bad character that you like creating thematic music the most for? Hmm. I wouldn't say that I have anyone in particular. Uh, I just, I don't know. And it's changed. I miss Gus. I'll be honest. Mm, right. Um, but from a musical standpoint, um, having Gus was a, was a chance to be um, so dark, right? Uh, because he carried it so enormously well, um, and 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 dark in a, in a way that was subtle, mm-hmm. um, but just very very low and deep, mm-hmm. which is what I usually did for Gus. Um, and uh and and so so much enjoyed doing that but uh but i i I just love all the different it's really more more than following characters on breaking bad for me it's more the different kinds of scenes that i that i get involved with i love the 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 process scenes where walter white is trying to get himself out of the pickle Mm -hmm. um uh and uh like for example the when he when mike uh Chained him to the radiator. Zip tied him to the radiator. <laughs> if he'd have chained zip-tied him, he'd still be there. <laughs> yeah, that's, sorry. Forget, forget me. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, zip tied him to, to, to the uh, to the radiator. Um, but uh, and, and of course, the hugely emotional scenes, um, like uh, the death of Jane. Right. But I love you know writing writing music for that, and uh, as the, the aforementioned uh, pulled open there from five oh six. And and I love the actiony stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the train sequence—you just like the train sequence. Yeah, the wow. Piece of music I've ever written for the show, thirteen minutes long. Oh, did not rare. know that. I do know for, it was. Uh, is... Wow, wow. Yeah, it's essentially the whole act. The music starts right there on on Lydia at the beginning and and goes um, as we often do um, right up until we think everything's been successful. Right, <laughs> uh, and then for for the super climactic moment, we do nothing. Right, which is something we often do. We build it up, and then and leave it very raw. Yeah, for for in that in that particular instance, the the, the gut punch. Mm-hmm. No, that that uh, sequence is really action sequences that I love. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Walter tearing around in his Aztec. Right. <laughs> to, to confront Gus or. Uh, Oh, we, that was a, something that we found hilarious last year, the juxtaposition of how badass and intense the music was with him hunched over the wheel of the Aztec. Yeah. It's yes, so, man. I mean... Quite intentional, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because, because and, and, and the music tries to follow this a lot of the time, what's really important in the story is what Walt thinks he is. Right. Rather than who he really is. Right. Right, and uh, and the music often portrays that. I think, mm-hmm. especially as he's grown to think very highly of himself. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we talked about your, you know um, how much you've enjoyed working on this process, and you know as fans, there's like t- kind of two perspectives on it. You know, one is Breaking Bad's coming to a close. I hate that. I wish it would go on forever. And then kind of my perspective is I'm glad that a guy like Vince is confident enough to say, I've told the story, I'm going to get out on top. And, you know, instead of trying to stretch it out more and more seasons, how do you feel about, you know, Breaking Bad wrapping up uh, next year? Well, I think if you asked everyone involved directly 
with the show, we will all tell you that um, we're going to cry like babies uh-huh. when it's over. But uh, and the reason for that is just very simple. From from Vince Gilligan's perspective and his writers, um, to end this story uh, as amazingly as they started it, they have to know how much time they have to do that. Right. So they have to have an end date. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, just. As everybody knows, uh, the story can go on forever. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just too too fraught with disaster on so many different levels um, that uh, that it has to end. Right. And uh, one way one way or another. <laughs> one one way or another, and believe me, I have no idea how it's how that's going to go down any more than you do. Oh, I thought but, I was going to uh, tease a hint out of you. <laughs> no, you weren't. Believe me, I know nothing. I, I'm, I'm the last to hear anything. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> and I like it that way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I just, you know, would I emotionally love it to go on for four more seasons? Yes. But would I ultimately regret it? Yes, I think so. I think we, you know, we would all feel like we, we were shortchanging, um, you know, what we hope people think is a really, really great show. Mm-hmm. I think Breaking Bad's got a shot at being, you know, one of those Pantheon shows that's always talked about in the top five of all time. Um, you know, about the only thing they can I'm, do, unless unless Vince just turns it into a comedy next year, completely drops the ball, <laughs> it's it's going to be standing right up there with the, the Wire and... Uh, you know, Mad Men's another one of those uh, the shows that's got mm-hmm. that chance. So it's uh, it's great television. Not only time will tell, but I I have uh, I certainly I'm not one to speak to that. But I, I especially being so close to it, uh, obviously I'm enormously fond of it. But I I, I do I, it is something very very special that I feel so fortunate to be a part of, uh, and I have uh, absolute faith in 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 Vince and the writers that it, it's gonna it's gonna end in a I hate to say satisfactorily because. In some senses, it might not be, but but in a very fitting. Yes. Way. Yes. I think that's the best you can ever hope for in a series that you're emotionally involved in. It's like you want something that, when you think about it for a couple of days or even weeks, you're like, "Yep, that's 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 about right." That's yeah. uh, you know, like yeah. you said, that's satisfying, but it fits. Yeah, and hopefully, when you go back and watch it again, or or for me, when I watch it again and. 20 years mm-hmm. uh, I sit down and watch it with my son you know it, it will it will I will know going into it that it, it's a it's a complete story right yeah uh, and, um, and that's a great thing oh I think so this... many TV shows don't have that luxury oh you know? yeah I've, I've said this a couple times on a podcast this season that I think this is going to be one of the best like binge watching shows of all time um, because mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of, you know, like a lot of other binge worthy shows like, uh, 24 and lost. There's a couple places where it kind of drags and meanders because I don't think they have a good idea of where the heck this is going. So they kind of like, you know, shuffle and do a tap dance until they, you know, the writers bring it back around. Breaking bad is pretty much pedal to the metal from the pilot to hopefully the finish. And it's, sure. it's like, yeah. I, I pity the person that, you know, picks up season one on a lark, you know, <laughs> and, uh, things are going to get, Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and now this is part, I mean, there's a lot of great dramas on cable right now, obviously. And, uh, and one of the reasons for that is that there, there are just fewer episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, you can't maintain a level of excellence, uh, for a drama mm-hmm. that, and, you know, unless it's a, a, a a thing that repeats every week, mm-hmm. you know, like a CSI or a log yeah, or procedural time, right. kind of pattern every week. But if you, you know, if you're a, a consistent story kind of drama, mm-hmm. you just to, to do that, I, I don't know how the folks on, on, on network who have to do 22 or 23 episodes, um, could do it. Yeah. Over I mean, seven or eight right. years. It's, it's just too much. It's, yeah. just, it's just too much to do. And I, so I think that you'll, you'll see, uh, you know, I think that's been part of the reason why, um, Cable dramas have been so successful right. in the past few years. You know, they just they've followed that model of of, of less is more. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, to kind of wrap things up, I got two questions: one that kind of looks back, one that looks forward. Uh, if our listeners yep. they're like, I like this Dave Porter, I like what he's said, and I'm intrigued with his work, I want to check out some more of his stuff. What other things that you've done might they find on Amazon or Netflix or their local video uh, retailer? 
I know. I'll start yeah. off. I know you did. I know you did the score on Ultraviolet, correct? Uh, not all of it. Not all. Okay. Some of it. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I was. I was a. Uh, and a, an additional composer, we call it. I came in uh, later in the game and, and, and did a bunch of the music in, in Ultraviolet, uh-huh. which was a Mila Jovovich sure. uh, sci-fi thing. Sure, yep. familiar with. Big fan of her uh, and her work. Yes, um, very proud of a documentary we did a few years ago that was at Sundance uh, that seems to just be more and more prophetic every day. But mm-hmm. called Bigger, Stronger, Faster, which is uh, about steroids and sports. <laughs> Uh, which, uh, you know, if you want to listen to some, some of my music that is vastly different from, from what I do in Breaking Bad, and, and both in style and in, of course, because it's a documentary, music is used very, very differently right. than it would be in a drama. Um, highly recommend uh, renting that. I believe it's on Netflix, too. Okay. Um, great documentary. And, uh, and if I may be so uh, shameless as to plug... Um, Please do. That's I, the next question. A, uh, yes, I do have a, a score... Um, CD coming out of the music from Breaking Bad, um, which is just scoring up songs. I want to be clear about that for everybody. Um, but it's uh, 20 pieces of uh, my score from ranging from across all five episodes to date, uh, including extended version of the theme and um, a lot of my favorite cues, um, a cue even that never appeared in the show. Mm-hmm. And and some other, uh, I went back and put together a lot of related cues to make longer suites, extended a bunch of cues that appear uh, in the show, like Heisenberg's theme, for example, uh, to make it sort of more enjoyable as a listening experience on CD. Right. And uh, so that's uh, coming out Tuesday, officially. Wow. On iTunes. Yep, this is very Tuesday. On uh, iTunes, you can download it, or if you, like me, are uh, an old-school uh, you want the liner notes and the photos and uh, my descriptions of all the scenes that, that are in it. You can get a physical CD with the booklet uh, from Amazon.com. Awesome. On this Tuesday, yeah. Um, so uh, if you're interested in that, certainly do that. And uh, look me up uh, uh, on my website. You can always check out to see what I'm up to, uh, past and future. Uh, www.daveporter.tv like television. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, which is a great resource for uh, keeping up with me. And um, yeah, I will. I actually posted that and um, the the link to your homepage uh, in the uh, Facebook thread that we had uh, announcing the interview, okay. and I'll include those links in the show notes so people can directly link from the podcast. Yeah. And I thought I yeah. saw that you're working to score um, a horror film. The, 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 that... Yes, that's done. Actually, I did that in the spring uh, before before uh, I did this last step, uh, season of Breaking Bad. Um, I did, got involved in a, a really neat. Uh, I've always wanted to do a, like a slasher film, uh-huh. a plastic slasher movie, right? Uh, and uh, got approached by a very young first-time director named Michael Gallagher, um, who uh, is very well known on the YouTube circuit. Mm. Which uh, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I'm not super fluent in right but he has his own youtube uh comedy channel uh and with uh, lots of followers and uh and this uh clue into uh, a lot of young uh artists and actors uh who are also very well known in that world and he kind of banded them all together and made his own horror movie <laughs> uh which was enormously <laughs> amazingly well done awesome uh, and i had a I had an absolute ball doing uh, and uh, yeah, you can definitely. It's called Smiley, and you can learn more about that certainly uh, on the web. And uh, it's uh, going to be in theaters uh, Halloween time. Awesome, great. Mid October, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dave. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and finding more about uh, you know sometimes I think uh, overlooked and over or underrated aspects of the shows, but something that's so vital to the emotional connection and content of the show. So again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, my great pleasure, and I really appreciate you taking the time, and I enjoyed it.